glory, for he has done great things. Let's stand together and honor him in worship and praise.
Psalm 71. It says, In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue me and deliver me. Turn your ear to me, Lord, and save me. Be my rock of refuge, to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, O God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of those who are evil and cruel. For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From birth, I have relied upon you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. I have become a sign to many. You are my strong refuge, my mouth. O God, is filled with your praise. I declare your splendor throughout the day. May that be said of all of us also. Amen? Praise God. Church, let us pray. Would you bow your heads, please? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just want to say thank you that you've allowed us the honor, the privilege, the blessing of another day of life. For life is a gift from you, O God, the life giver. We take it not for granted, O God, for your word says that it is in you that we live, in you that we move, 
It is in you, O God, that we have our being. All that we have, my Lord, is from you. So we just want to say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, O God. We come today to lift up the name of Jesus, to exalt him in every thought, word, and deed. It's all about you, Lord. We are your servants. We are your people, as you say in Psalm 100, the sheep of your pasture. Therefore, we enter into your gates today with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise. Father, we want to ask that you bless everybody who has uh, walked through these doors today to enjoy the presence of the Lord, the manifest presence of the Lord. And Father, equally bless those who are at home watching on the devices who cannot be here today. Let them feel that presence and also the blessings that you said they will receive. Blessings of joy, blessings of pleasures out of your right hand and direction to live as you promised in your word when we come into your divine presence. Lord, we just want to give you honor and glory. Once again, we ask that you bless all the fathers, and Lord, bless the mothers too. And we ask in Jesus' name, dear God, take this pandemic away from our world, O Lord. May we all have learned a lesson from it and realize that we need you, that without you we can do nothing. And dear Father, we just ask that you will today let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart Be acceptable in thy sight, my God. And thank you, Lord, for being our strength. Thank you, O God, for being our Redeemer. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Hey, CTC family, I'm Bill. And I'm Debbie, and we've got this week's news. We are just a little over a month away from CTC Kids Backyard VBS POW. Everyone loves superheroes, and this will be a great opportunity for children to discover how people from the Bible became great heroes and how they can become a hero just by putting their faith in God. Registration for Backyard VBS is now open, both for children and for families who want to host. Host kits will include everything you need, including lesson plans, craft, and snacks. Just go to our website, ctcde.net forward slash ctckids, and you can access the forms. Registration forms and host forms are due by July 22nd. Family Promise is a ministry that reaches out to homeless and low-income families to help them achieve independence through a community-based response. Our church has partnered in ministry with Family Promise for many years. We have committed to provide meals during the week of July 12th through the 18th. If you would like to be a part of this ministry, you can contact Joy Fisher at joyf2 at verizon.net. Hope Lunch. A weekly outreach to people in our community will be resuming on Wednesday, July 1st. Every week, we get together for worship, a devotional message, and communion. After that, we share a meal together, and then we send our guests home with a bag of groceries. As we restart this ministry, we need people who are willing to serve lunch and then stay to help clean up. The food will be prepared and prepackaged by our kitchen staff and then brought upstairs covered to be served. If you can help us with this ministry, contact Lynn Poindexter at the office at extension 45 or email her at lpoindexter at ctcde.net. If you need prayer, you can call the church office at 302-836-2862 or text us at 888-344-1022. You can also email your request to prayer at ctcde.net. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram. God bless you and have a great week.
Okay, dads, let's go ahead and get started, guys. Now, some of you have already let me know how uncomfortable you were in last week's meeting. So tonight, we're going to try to respect each other's boundaries. What? Tonight, we've also got a guest with us, David. And would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah. Um, hey, guys. I'm David. David. Hey. How many kids do you have, David? None. At least not at the moment. Uh, my wife is pregnant, and uh, she should be delivering any day now. That's great. Super. Who would like to go first? Anyone. Anyone. I'll go. Perfect. Todd? Yes. My daughter and I went to the mall, and she said she wanted to take the stairs to the second level. And I said, I don't trust stairs because... They're always up to something. <laughs> Todd, I'm sorry that happened. I encourage you to try to resist the urge to make jokes like that. My turn? Can I go? Okay. Yesterday, actually, my daughter got home and she asked me how my day was. And I said, well, a guy tried to sell me a coffin, but that's the last thing I need. Oh, Jerry, that joke is dead on arrival. Because it's the last thing I need. David, how about you? Oh, I didn't. I didn't see the safe zone. Just jump on in. Yeah, I, I'm, I guess I'm just scared of being a dad. I'm afraid I'm going to start telling bad jokes just like my dad. Well, it might be in our nature. We can fight against it. Hey, speaking of nature, I tried to catch some fog yesterday. I missed. <laughs> M-I-S-P. Oh, You're a monster. I, this is where the boundary is. I'm done. This is where you are. Hello? Really? Okay, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I'll be right there. That was Julie. Her water just broke. I guess the baby finally ran out of womb. <laughs> I'm gonna be a dad. Don't you think it should be going? Oh, yeah. I told my wife she drew her eyebrows too high. She seemed surprised. One of the sad things is with that, as you get older, you lose your hearing. I didn't get that last joke, and I tried last night. I didn't get it, so I'm going to offer my own. How do you fix a broken pizza? Tomato paste. Nice. Nice. Well, being a dad is no joke, but it's awful fun to make jokes uh, of dads. So uh, congratulations to any father who's here today, and God bless you. And may God be with all, the, all of us who have sons and daughters, that we may be to them the men that we need to be so that they can grow up to know our Lord Jesus Christ and to love others, to share others. May we be the husbands to our wives that our children need us to be to our wives. And uh, God bless us all. So happy Father's Day to those. Christ the Cornerstone, we, we, we do several things here. We love God. We join together in small groups. We, we serve others. We serve Jesus Christ by serving others. We share the good news of Jesus, and we, we give generously. We share our resources. And so we take time during our worship services 
to, to, to talk about giving and giving to God and to the work that God is doing. And there are several ways that you can give. Even if you're in the room this morning, welcome. So glad that you're here. Um, you can still give online if you're in the room. Although out in the hallway, you don't have, we don't have the offering envelopes on the tables this morning because we're, we're limiting the touchable surfaces. But out in the mall area are, are envelopes. If, if on your way out, you can pick one up and then there's a basket by the doors uh, for you to place an offering in it. If you're watching online, you certainly go to, go to our website uh, and give online. That's a great way, a great way to give. Let's, let's pray together as we give and we continue to worship God. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the joys that you give to us in life. Help us respond to you and your uh, love that you give to us by sharing with others. Not just, our re- not just our financial resources, but our talents, by giving our time, by giving our skills, so that others may know who you are. That's why we're here. So we give to you graciously and out of a thankful heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
a holy God, a mighty God, a miracle-working God. We give him praise this morning. We cry, holy, holy, it's the Lord God Almighty. Heavenly Father, we pray today that you bless all fathers throughout our world. Father God, we lift these godly men who are your servants in a special prayer. And we ask, Father God, not only are our fathers our friend, but your word reminds us that Jesus is our friend who bears all of our transgressions and all of our grief and all of our sorrows. Abba Father, we praise you today and we thank you for our earthly fathers because they are teachers. They teach their children the way of word to the paths of salvation. So we thank you for fathers today, Father. We thank you for godly earthly fathers who also provide hope to their children, just like Jesus Christ provides hope to all of us. And encouragers, our earthly fathers encourage us. They encourage us in the admonition and the fear of the Lord. So we thank you for them today, Father. And just like the fathers on earth are our rock of salvation, our word reminds us, your word reminds us, that you are the cornerstone of our faith. And so we thank you, Father God, for fathers today. And we ask that right now as we prepare our hearts and minds for the message, that your spirit move throughout this place like a mighty rushing wind, Father God that it has the power to heal, to save, to restore. So we ask that everyone is blessed by the message today. We thank you for our messenger found in the form of our pastor, Pastor Roger. Father God, you've equipped him for this time. So we just ask that the hearers are blessed richly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's just kind of, I feel like sometimes we just get confused of when to approach people when it comes to things they shouldn't be doing. And then depending on what the topic is, it would be harder with a non-Christian. But I feel like there's also universal things we can still approach our Christian or non-Christian friends about. As long as we're approaching them in love, but I think in everything, whenever we are confronting someone, trying to show them these areas where we see very clearly that they're heading in a direction that's not good for them. Um, we can see it from an outside perspective. Good morning, and it's great to see all of you here this morning, uh, here in the room, and all of you who are online this morning. We thank you that you're joining us. We're continuing our series today, um, Ask asking for a friend. And, and for the last few months, we've been collecting questions that people ask. Now, these are questions that people ask that sometimes they're afraid to ask others or they're afraid to ask the church. They're afraid of the answers. that they give. And they're, they're questions that have tough answers to them. And I've, we've done that on purpose because God cares. God loves everybody and every situation. And uh, they're challenging questions. Um, these are topics that people may that tend, not may, usually they, people have strong opinions about these things because there are strong experiences around these questions. Uh, but even though many of us have decided to follow Jesus, 
we can be tempted to ignore these things. We don't want to address these things, but God does address these things. But I do realize that not every question that we have in life or not every situation that we have in life is directly addressed in the Bible. But we're wrong to think that because the Bible doesn't talk about it, then, then God doesn't care about it and I can do whatever. That's, that's wrong. It, it, the, the, the Bible uh, just doesn't address everything. But we need to approach everything, we who follow Jesus, needs to approach every decision we make, every experience we come across, considering how Jesus might work in this situation and what God might want us to do. And to answer those questions, the Bible certainly does give us principles to follow and and experiences that we can learn from. And then God gives us the Holy Spirit to to, to help us make the wise decisions that are in accordance with God's will for us. So this is what's kind of behind the questions that we're asking. Today's question... Uh, is of, of, of a, uh, not, not a bit of a sexual nature. It is of a sexual nature. So I want to uh, give, give somewhat of a uh, caveat warning. I'm not sure. One of the things that, as Carolyn and I were raising Ryan and Emily, one of the things we tried to do is make, make talk about our human sexuality a normal thing in our life. So that even though it was always awkward, it wasn't shunned. It wasn't set aside. And, and I do encourage parents to, to do that. So if this message causes parents to have awkward conversations with their children, um, well, I'm sorry to put you in an awkward situation, but I trust that God will be with you as you have these conversations <laughs> because they are important things to do. And you as parents, you nobody Nobody has more influence on your children than you do as a parent, especially when it comes, even when it comes to faith. So take that role that God has given to you. Don't hide from difficult things, but open them up. And I would rather have a Christian parent uh, deal with difficult things from a Christian perspective than to be a Christian parent and not address things and let somebody I don't even know have that influence yes. in my child's life. Mm-hmm. So I encourage us as, as parents, whatever our children, whatever age our children are, to be open and to encourage conversations. So I've already let the cat out of the bag in, in some sense. So here's the question that we will be dealing with, and it, and it has to do with sex, but it is also applied to, to many other situations. The question that we're addressing is this, if I can find it on my page. How do we respond appropriately as followers of Jesus? How do we respond appropriately to other people's sin, to the sin in their lives? Sometimes it's the sin in a non-Christian's life, and we've got to, we've got to, we have to deal with it. And sometimes it's uh, a Christian who has faith in Jesus. They continue to do things that the Bible says we shouldn't do. How are we, as the body of Christ, uh, to respond to that appropriately? So we're going to attempt to, uh, and the question comes out more specifically relating to sins of a sexual nature. And, and so how are we to deal with those things? I have asked Pastor Vaughn to join me in this message. So that, so that, that well, because these are complicated issues. And I do think that it's important to hear multiple perspectives. Uh, and so, yeah, we're, we're, yeah, we're two men. <laughs> we're two men who, who love God. 
And, and so the perspective comes from two men who, who, who love God. Uh, and, but we want to encourage uh, conversations about this. I'm going to give Pastor Vaughn first whack at, at the question. And uh, Go ahead, Vaughn. You give me the hardest part. I did, actually. Okay, <laughs> I'm well, not <Pastor> stupid. Roger, <laughs> when you first brought this uh, point to my attention, and we talked about it, as you know, and you said just put down some notes, what you think about it, and hopefully share some of your insight with the audience. And that's what I'm going to try to do today as concisely as I can. I had so much I wanted to say, but uh, unfortunately this is only a half-hour show. So (laughs) I'm going to try and stick to my notes as much as possible. But when I thought about what we were referring to about the sexual immorality in not just the church but in the world, what came to me was the word pandemic. Right now, as you all know, we're experiencing a pandemic, uh, the coronavirus. It has affected drastically the whole world. But I'm also, we're speaking right now of a different type pandemic. It is a spiritual pandemic. It has inundated, inundated the whole world in sexual immorality. It didn't just start yesterday. It didn't just start last year. It's been going on for decades. And the world, especially America, is awash in this sexual, I call it the tsunami of biblical proportions. And I'm sorry to say, the spiritual elephant in the church, in the room, I'll put it that way, is that sexual sin does exist in the church. And the subsequent persuasive silence that shamefully surrounds it is everywhere. You usually don't hear anything about it until somebody gets, I guess, exposed, unfortunately. And a lot of people are just surprised, I guess, that it happens. But it is here, brothers and sisters. It needs to be addressed. And oftentimes, just because people just don't know, they don't understand what God has said about sex. Sex is not a bad word. I like what John Hagee says. It's God's plan. For us to continue our society, our, our, our race, sex is a good thing, but in the proper godly parameters. As I said, lots of people don't realize what they're doing oftentimes is sin. I had a friend who told me he'd just become a new Christian, and we were talking about sex. And he said, well, uh, one thing I don't do, I don't break the seventh commandment. No, you, I do a lot of other things. <laughs> But I don't do that. I don't commit adultery. And I told him, you notice up in things that you need to be concerned about when it comes to sex. And he looked at me like, what are you talking about? I obeyed the Ten Commandments. So perhaps we better determine what we mean when we say sexual sin. Biblically speaking, any sexual relationship outside of the one mandated by God in the Holy Bible is sin. And God makes this very clear to us in the very first chapter, Pastor, of the Bible. In Genesis, Genesis 2.24, if you have your Bibles, you might want to turn there. But it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now in this regard, becoming one flesh does not only mean you go get your house and bring your wife there, you separate yourself from the rest of your previous family. That is true. But it is mainly referring to 
the husband and the wife's sexual union. They come together as one, leading to the procreation of offspring. That is God's plan. That is God's design. That's what God gifted us of sex for, to keep our society, his people, going. This, in turn, is in keeping with God's original commandment to the first human couple. What are their names? Adam and Eve. Okay, just checking. And it's found in Genesis 1.28. This is just more corroboration of what we've already said from the second chapter of Genesis. Here we're told, God tells us, be fruitful. What does that mean? Have plenty of kids. Be fruitful. And multiply. Same thing again. And fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over all creation. Therefore, anything outside of these biblical precepts established in the Holy Scriptures are considered by God to be sin. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. Yes, serious. God is very serious about this. But I love that second caveat. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That's Romans 6.23. Thank God for Jesus. Amen. Because we do make mistakes. And things do happen out of our control even. Things that we don't attend. That bring us into relationships. Sexual relationships, Pastor. That we don't intend to get into sometimes. And a lot of things are done because we just didn't know that was wrong. As the man I mentioned. I want to say at this point that there are many hundreds, even thousands of innocent people who have been compelled, forced into a life of sexual activity outside of the uh, Genesis model by no desire or will of their own. Oftentimes people just didn't know. Now they do. God knows the situation that these people are in and that it is out of their control. It has been forced upon them oftentimes. He knows you don't want this life of forced sexual sin. And I know and believe in my heart, and I talked to Pastor Roger about this, and we both feel that God just wants you to know that he loves you and that he's not out here to judge you. He wants to deliver you from your bondage. Jesus says in John 10, 10, I came to give you life and that more abundantly. It is Satan who comes into our life to, to steal and to kill and destroy, not, not Jesus. Jesus wants to give you life abundantly. So I want to say what we're told in 1 Peter 5, 7. Keep casting all your cares upon Jesus. If you're in that situation, Pastor, give it to Jesus. Pastor Vaughn, can, yes. can I interject yes, something, something at this point? You know, one of the things that I, that I have um, worked with, um, uh, with teenagers over the years yes. uh, is and, and teaching them, you know, when we engage in sexual activity a a bond is made with that person and and you said you wanted us god wants to deliver us from that bondage and if we think about sexual activity uh, regardless of it, it it creates a bond Good with point. with somebody yes and and when that bond is forced onto someone else it is an undesired bond that is there yes. But it is still a real bond. I believe that Jesus also wants to free us 
from those kinds of bonds so that we can be free to unite ourselves even sexually with others when it is a choice. And that's the freedom and the new life that Christ wants to give to us also to break even those bonds that have been forced upon us that Jesus is seeking to liberate us from so that we can have the abundant life that he wants us to have. Thank you. That's a wonderful point there. Well, let me continue. Subsequently, we cannot pick any one aspect of human sexuality. A lot of people like to do that. Uh, I don't do this. I don't do that. But I do this. But that's okay because it's not as bad as this and that, right? So I'm okay. No, you're not. Say, take pornography, for example. A lot of people want to hold that up as the poster child for sexual sin. And God knows it is so rampant throughout the world, especially in America. It is such a blot. On our humanity. Hear me, brothers and sisters, please. All sexual interaction outside of the aforementioned models found in Genesis 1 and 2 are considered sinful and punishable by God. So he wants us to hear these words. If you didn't know it before, now we do. I don't I can mention a whole lot of other scriptures. It's not necessary. It's not. Because all sex outside of marriage. No matter how you do it, no matter how it's done, to God it's sin. <coughs> Excuse me. So live your life wisely and godly. The wisest man who ever lived, we're told, Solomon says in Proverbs thirteen fifteen, good judgment wins favor from God. We all want God's good favor. Amen? And he says, but the way of the transgressor is hard. Pastor Roger, we were talking about this. Every time we go into the prisons, we talk to men and women, and inevitably, invariably, every one of them has somehow transgressed God's moral laws. In one way or the other, they have sinned, which has led them to be imprisoned. We need to do the do's, as we used to say in the old church, and don't do the dumbs. Just do what God tells you to do, and don't do the things he tells you not to do. And everything will be just wonderful in your life. I say again, this is the truth that the world outside of the church seldom, if ever, hears. And to be perfectly honest with you, I have not heard it preached enough in the church. And once again, if you haven't heard it preached lately, I applaud you, Pastor, for bringing this point up. Most pastors don't want to go near it. You're hearing it now. We owe this, brothers and sisters. We owe this to, especially our younger generation, to hear this. All too often, we Christians are afraid of rocking the boat of our worldly acquaintances. We're worried about being politically correct. We don't want to be ostracized. We don't want to be called one of those Jesus freaks. I don't know about you. I'm proud to be a Jesus freak, okay? Holy rollers, we used to call them in my youth. I used to make fun of my grandmother. I'm so glad she was a holy roller now. (laughs) Got me holy rolling. Amen. Praise God. Ask you today what the Lord asks you, now that you've heard this. Whose report are you going to be? believe? He says, let God be true. Let every man be a liar. I hope you can all stay with me. We will believe the report of the Lord. Let me just uh, make this a little bit quicker. Folks, we have a duty to show our love for others by bringing both the truth and the mercy of God and the gospel to all those struggling with sexual impurities. Sometimes you might have to confront them a little bit strongly. Matthew 18 tells us about that. I believe, Pastor, you're going to touch on that. 
But just remember, the answer to all issues, including sexual situations, make that especially sexual situations, are in the Bible. The answers to everything in our life is in the Bible. It's in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Once again, it's our duty, our divine responsibility as Christians. We can't put this off on anybody else. That's what God has us here for. We're his ambassadors. We are to help our church recapture its calling to rescue and redeem those struggling with sexual sin in the church. And that is from the pulpit to the pews. Let me end by saying in the words of Pastor John Freeman of Harvest USA, if we attempt to do this, it will be the most difficult and yet the most fulfilling thing we will ever do as a member of the church. In this modern day, internet-infiltrated, hypersexualized generation that we're living in, they need the word of God, unadulterated, anointed, full of truth and wisdom. They need to hear what you have, brothers and sisters. In the words of Joshua, I believe it's Joshua 24, 15, I hope you can say a story. You and your house, Mm -hmm. we're going to serve the Lord, Mm -hmm. and we're going to tell everybody about him Mm -hmm. in truth Mm -hmm. and in love. So God's way for us is the way of life. And God has created us male and female in the image of God. And that's a confusing thing for us to think about. But our sexuality is a reflection of the character and the identity of God. And it is a good thing because God created everything and said it is good. So, you know, the church has in the past given conflicting messages about sexuality, especially to our young people. The church has said, oh, sex is bad. Don't do it. But save it for the one you love. What? Why would you say for the one you love something that's bad? It's not. It's good. But we need to understand it in the, in the perspective that God gave it to us and then use it in, the, in, in a, such a way that brings life, not destruction. A knife. A surgeon uses a knife to bring life to people, to save people. Yeah. But, a, but, a, but a, a criminal or someone who desires to do harm mm-hmm. takes the same instrument and can take life. Our sexuality is just like that. That's good. We can use our sexuality to bring life, or we can use our sexuality to destroy life. Like you said, mm-hmm. let us choose the way of God. For me and yes. my house, we will serve, serve the, Lord. the Lord. So how are we to respond to it? Well, we respond to it like God responds to all sin, with love. And God loves us all. So let's look at the ways that God does this. Jeremiah 31 says, the Lord appeared to us in the past, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. God is seeking us. God is desiring us to come to him. All of us, regardless of where we've been, what we've done, who we've been with, and what we've done with them. God loves every one of us and desires us to be with him. And God has always done this. Uh, Jesus said in uh, Matthew 18, verse 17, Jesus was asked, how do I treat somebody who has offended me? And, and Jesus lays out this process. Well, first you go to that person and you seek to restore your relationship with them. And if that doesn't work, take a brother or a sister who's faithful and talk to them about it. And if that doesn't work, uh, take them to the to, to the leaders of the church and let them talk to them. Mm-hmm. The goal is to seek to restore the relationship with people. But if that doesn't work, Jesus says, treat them, and these are his words, as a pagan 
or a corrupt tax collector. Now, how would you interpret that in today's world? You would think, and I think most people in church church think that what Jesus is telling us to do is to kick them out of the church because there's no room in a church for a pagan or a tax collector. But I want us to look at that verse again and think and follow through. How does Jesus treat pagans and corrupt people? Jesus invites them to come to his table. Jesus went into the courtyard of Matthew, the tax collector, and, and had fellowship with him and called Matthew to follow Jesus. So there is no time when it is right for us to absolutely say and disconnect ourselves from those who sin against us. We are to, we are to love them and seek to restore yes. fellowship with mm-hmm. all people all the time. For, for, and, and so uh, we go to Romans 8.31. It says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Uh, 831 through 39. I'm going to read this quickly. When G- what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? And since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Well, then who then can condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand. Jesus is pleading for us. Thank you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I stand before God. and, and, And God says, why should I let you live forever with me? I'm going to put my arm around Jesus who I trust is going to be right there next to me and say, because of your son, he died on the cross. And and, and without him, you shouldn't let me do this. But because of him, I'm trusting fully in Jesus. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. The answer is no, despite all these things, overwhelming, overwhelming victory. Victory is kind of an absolute thing, isn't it? Victory is victory. You win or you lose. Mm-hmm. But he says we will have overwhelming victory. Yeah. Be a slaughter. Is <laughs> <laughs> ours through Christ who loved us. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither life, nor death, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears nor t- for today, nor our worries for tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ our Lord. Trust that with your entire life. So how do we respond? We proclaim to others that nothing can separate us from God's love. Absolutely nothing. We remind us others, secondly, that God does not condemn us, but God saves us. We go to we, this. I, I've quoted New Testament uh, verses about that. So I'm going to go to an Old Testament verse from Psalm 34:22. But the Lord will redeem those who serve him. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. Take refuge in the Lord. 
We remember John 3:17 which says God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through Jesus. Trust yes. that. Thirdly, how do we respond to those who sin? We we are the ones that God has called to go to those people and show God's love to them. We respond to them again with love. Apparently there's only one answer to this. Show them God's love. Mm-hmm. But I got five ways to do that. Yeah. We have to tell others We have to tell others that God loves them. And we are the ones to do it. God has chosen nobody other than his body, the church, to tell the world Mm -hmm. that God loves them. When Jesus was having his last supper with his disciples, he was his last words to them in the upper rooms. He says to them, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other as I have loved you. So you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And we are to prove love, God's love, to others. Fourthly, how are we respond to those who sin? Forgive, forgive, forgive. We remember the passage in which Peter asked Jesus. And this is the same passage where, where, where Jesus said, Treat them as pagans and corrupt tax collectors. The next paragraph, Peter says, how often should I forgive someone? Seven times, thinking that he's giving the right answer or the Mm -hmm. best answer or the great answer. Jesus looks at him and says, no, Peter, you forgive him 70 times seven. In other words, an infinite number of times. As long as you need to forgive them, you forgive them. And I know for especially for people who have been placed, who have been forced in that in that bond that they didn't ask for, that memory of that persists. And they're going to they're going to have to continually forgive the person who took part of their life from them. But Jesus can help you do that. And that is part of breaking that bond that Jesus is doing in in your life. So trust in Christ. Wake up in the morning and say, Jesus, by the power of Jesus, I forgive them. I hate what they did to me. It has horrible memories. It has forever changed my life. But Jesus, you tell me to forgive. And in your name, I forgive this person. Help me forgive them in my heart. Yes. <laughs> right. And help free me, God, to that forgiven life that, that you want me to live. You can do it. Forgive and forgive and forgive. And finally, we are to encourage others and to build them up in the way that Jesus calls us to live. First Thessalonians 5 11 through 19 says, So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them the greatest respect and wholehearted love because of their work. And I I included that part of the, the scripture, not because I'm the pastor and I'm telling you to respect me, or Pastor Vaughn, or Pastor Bill, or Daniel, but anybody who is in a position, all of the small group leaders that we have in our church, and we've got, we've got tens of small groups in our church. Probably we, we have 30-some on the books, but I know that there are more small groups that meet beyond us. The leaders of those small groups are, working, are doing the work of the church. When you go and serve somebody, you're doing the work of the church, and you deserve the respect that God is saying to us. So we show respect. Mm -hmm. And he says, live peacefully with one another. We urge you, he says, to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, tender, 
Take tender care of those who are weak and be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, because this is God's will for you who belong in Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good and stay away from every kind of evil. Love all people as God has loved us. How do we respond to those who sin against us? How do we respond to those whose, whose sin repeats in their own lives? We are to love them as God loves us. Do you need to draw close to God today? Do you need to draw close to God today? Here is your opportunity to do that. Have you been condemning others instead of showing them that God does not condemn? Instead, He draws all people unto Himself? Have you been sharing God's love to all people, proclaiming it and not condemning them? Can you think of anyone that you have not forgiven? Maybe you forgave them a long time ago. Maybe you forgave them yesterday. But when you woke up this morning, you had that twinge of resentment in your heart. And, and Jesus is saying to you, let go of that resentment. Because that resentment is binding you and keeping you from living the life. Forgive them. Let me deal with that person. And you just deal with me. Is there anyone that you need to forgive today? Good words. And what will you do today to encourage others and build them up? What will you do today to encourage others and build them up? We're going to have a time of prayer while we sing this next song. If you're in the room, I do invite you, if you want to come forward and kneel at the platform area, we don't, we, you know that we have to stay six, six feet apart. You know that we're supposed to wear a mask. So if you come, I ask you to do all those things. But this is a time for us to pray together. If you're watching online, you have a spot right where you're sitting to, to pray to God as we sing this. And let God speak to you and you speak to God as we pray together. When the song, when the song ends, they're just going to run the credits uh, and we'll be finished uh, with our worship here in this room. We encourage you to remember to fill out a connect card. Uh, even if you're in the room, we don't have places for you to, for you to uh, paper for you to fill out. Let us know and, or prayer requests. So get on your phones here in this room and fill out an online connect card. Let us know how we can pray for you today. And let's, let's take this time as our service ends to pray for one another and ask God to help us. Let's pray together. I invite you to stand if you're able as we sing together and as we pray.